This is Color Speak, Unveiling Truth for Light. Hi, I'm your host, Janet Huxley, author J.M. Huxley. Welcome to this podcast to unveil truth and uplift you. Here you will find truth talk for relevance restoration, social influence, and dynamic purpose in all places and all seasons. Here we will unveil truth for color. Light is where you'll find truth. Truth is where you'll find color. Color is where you'll find God. Color is God. It's his love for you. At the risk of sounding much too obvious, light is what makes color happen. But track with me here. Color is a product of light and God is light. So color testifies to the everlasting goodness of a good God, one who wants to fill us with color. Have you ever thought of color this way? How about the rainbow? Have you considered that perhaps the reason it resonates so powerfully within your heart is not only because it paints goodness in the skies after storms, but because it reminds of God's love for us? If you know me, you know rainbows are my favorite. My stories are full of rainbows because God has given them to me when I need them most. And because I took the time to notice his communication, for example, he painted a rainbow over my daughter's plane to assure me of his protection over her. You see, I'd had a history of plane crashes as part of my story, but then God changed it up, creating good there. That first rainbow, the first one I really took notice of, changed everything. So stories can be like colorful confetti when we release what is in us to illustrate the goodness of God there. Heaven rejoices because they celebrate what he is doing on this planet. Our guest today not only has stories of her own, she helps people with theirs. Tracy Mott is an author and editor. She is also a high school English and composition teacher and a retired homeschooling mom. But most of all, she is a Jesus follower and someone I call friend. I'm really honored to have Tracy here to talk with us on Color Speak. Hi, Tracy. Hi, Janet. I'm so excited to have you here. Thanks for agreeing to spend time with me here. I'm excited, too. It's like having coffee that we never have time to do. (laughs) We see each other in passing in the hallways at school, and we always think about doing it, but it's easier said than done. Right. (laughs) Well, I have to tell everybody, and I told you I would, I have been nagging Tracy (laughs) since I started this podcast to come on and talk with me. And here's how I finally hooked her, guys. Here's what I did. So I am in wedding season right now. We are at day 46 before my daughter gets married, my daughter Rachel. And Tracy has written a book and graciously given me entitled Prayers for the Mother of the Bride. So I told her, I said, it's entirely appropriate that you come on and talk with me now. And she has a breakdown of prayers we'll get to that as we count down toward the wedding and today's taken care of business was perfect. So I'm thinking right. God's fingerprint is all over this and he must have he must have encouraged you to come on and talk with me as well. <laughs> well, yeah, day 46 holds a, a dear place in my heart as a 
a freelance worker and a part-time teacher and adding things as I can, as I can get them done. And I just remember thinking about day 46 before my daughter's wedding. I can't take on one more thing. (laughs) I, I need to consciously just say no until not just the day the wedding's over, but maybe a month after the wedding's over to give me some time to recover. So I know as a part-timer, self-employed person, that you understand that, how you have to juggle all that as well. Yeah, you and I are a lot alike that way. We have so many different hats we wear. And I am knowing exactly what you were going through when your daughter got married. And I just have to ask you, what was she doing? Because mine is going to be 10 days out from finals when she gets married. Oh, (laughs) And she is an engineering student as well as her fiance. And so they're really in the trenches right now. (laughs) It's it's a lot. You know, they need some help. A lot to pray about and a lot to do. (laughs) Yes. So what was your daughter all about at that time? And well, let me just back up a little bit. Why did you decide to write this book? Well, this was actually the second prayer book I wrote. I started with prayers for the mother of the groom. I have I have three children, boy, girl, boy, and my oldest son and my youngest son and Elizabeth, my daughter, they all got married within six years of each other. So it was like wedding and then a year to recover and then a wedding and then a year to recover. <laughs> and um, I was kind of in shock, I think, when the first, my oldest son got married and And as things went on with the other weddings, I realized that I'll just start by saying I love Stormy O'Mardian's Power of a Praying fill-in-the-blank books, you know, Power of a Praying Parent. And and I had those for my children and just realized they were just not quite hitting the mark. And so I started looking for a prayer book for mothers of the groom. And and, um, this was when my youngest son was getting married and I couldn't find anything. I mean, there are books with cute anecdotes and there are planners and there are devotional books, but there was nothing along the lines of those power of a praying parent books, which I love because it's all about the prayer. Yes. um, More so than whatever little stories coming before the prayer. So I just thought now, you know, since I've got three weddings Fresh in my head, I need to write down all these things that came up, all these topics that came up and and get something organized for the mother of the groom. And, and you know, your, your son is married. So, I, yeah. you know, the mother of the groom, all she has to do is show up and look good. Somebody told me that. Yeah, um, and I didn't even do that right. <laughs> well. Seriously, I bought a dress that made me look like a pumpkin. Oh, no. <laughs> it was awful. Well, it was on sale. Well, <laughs> I thought, well, this is cute, right? Actually, it was a champagne pumpkin. Not the right color choice either. But well, anyway, yes. I digress. But okay. you, you know what I mean? The mother yes. of the groom, there just aren't as many fun little things for the mother of the groom. So that's that's how it started. And, um, and then once I got that done, I just thought, well, I had run across some great authors online and just become friends with these women that had written other books pertaining to weddings and marriage. And I thought, well, I guess I could do the same one for the bride's mom. And so I wrote Mother of the Bride. So that's how that came about. See, I think this is so awesome because uh, lest we're not aware of the obvious, I'm going to state it. Weddings are warfare because Mm -hmm. 
The enemy wants to attack what is holy, what God has ordained. It's a covenant. And so you better believe he's going to come against it. And I have heard horror stories like our common friend, Janet, who taught where we taught, was telling me that just before her son's wedding, her daughter-in-law was playing softball, I believe it was, and the ball came down and cracked her cheekbone. This was just uh, weeks out from the wedding. And so I think we just need to be very mindful of shoring up in prayer because let's face it, people, weddings cause people to act weird. Right. I I love that. I mean, all of that other stuff aside, I don't know what is going on. I just have to think, you know, our battle is not with flesh and blood. It's just not. And I think this is what you've done is so important. We have to be actively engaged. And so I'm trying to be mindful of picking up your book every day now that we're counting down. And what do you, you start at like day 60. Yes, it's, it's just, there are only 60 prayers. And I, I could have made it 90 or 120, but I just, I hit all the the main topics that really were relevant to me in the three weddings that, that we went through in that short amount of time. And my daughter actually was only engaged. I mean, she had been in this relationship with my son-in-law for a long time. They got engaged and then we, this was a miracle in the, the course of things. We found a venue that if we signed that day for this certain date, we got this tremendously reduced price, which was a huge blessing because we did not have the finances to do anything more than that. And but the kicker was the the date they wanted to sell us was only three months away. So ah, uh, so you had a fast track. That was the beginning of the shock for that, right? And and three months, you know, if you've never done it, sounds like it's probably enough time, but it's really not. Uh, so. My idea with the book was to just cycle back through everything, kind of like the prayers, you know, the power of a praying parent, where you just go through the book and then you start over again and pray through all these topics, the health and the safety and the, you know, who's going to be in the wedding and who's going to pay for what, where is it going to be, when is it going to be, and and like what you're talking about with day 46, your work, what are you going to do to modify your schedule to make all these things come in work well together? Well, I've already decided that brings you to mind. Because I wanted to say you're my editor. And (laughs) I have a novel I'm going to release next year. Mm -hmm. And I haven't had you lay your eyes on it yet. And I'm just, I'm to a point where I may just curtail even the podcast and the writing and everything. And I'm ready to shelve it all until the new year, because and even getting off social media, because I want to be fully present. And I think that's just an issue for all of us, no matter what we're doing, wedding planning, or whatever it is, just getting ready for the holidays. I have found so often I'm not even able to return emails or texts. My now focus is instead of feeling guilty about that, I'm just trying to be fully present in whatever I have going on in the moment and everything else is just going to have to wait as I hold up the walls, one arm on each wall and, and a leg on each as I... We talked about earlier, a friend of mine told me yesterday, it's like you're holding up all the walls with your limbs. <laughs> that is so appropriate. That is absolutely right. And the, and I think the, the biggest point to be made is you just need to, you need to be present and you need to be able to enjoy everything. And what better way to ensure or to at least tip the scales in your favor than to be prayed up as my friend, my friend loves that phrase, I, mm-hmm. you know, get all prayed up. So yeah, I totally be in the moment. There are so many things that I don't I don't remember that I wish I could remember. 
But the things that I do remember are so precious. And if I had been too scatterbrained, you know, I wouldn't I wouldn't have those memories and those things to reminisce about with my kids. So Yeah, that's a good point. And I think if you're fully present, there's less likelihood of doing something that will be regretful. I mean, you'll always have regrets and wish that you could have done something differently or better. Mine, I think about my son's wedding. So I have two that are married so far. This, I have Kelsey and Taylor that are married. And then this is Rachel's wedding coming up. She is the third of our eight. So we really have a lot of fun in store for us in the future. <laughs> but I just felt like with my son's wedding, one of the things I just felt like I did wrong was I was late for my daughter-in-law's wedding shower and two of my daughters got lost. So they were, they almost didn't make it. And it was because I was trying to juggle too much all at once. And Mm. I always felt like I could have gotten a sub for the class I missed. You know, I was bound on teaching that morning. (laughs) It was a Sunday morning and I taught it at Sunday school. I had a young adults group I led and I I should have just done things differently. But I do like Mm -hmm. that. I think that if we slow down, there is less potential for regret and more potential for memory making. And I love that you addressed that. And I wanted to circle back around to, you know, in the beginning, I asked you what was going on with your daughter. Now thinking about a three month wedding planning that almost gives me anxiety just to think about it. Because, well, I think shock is shock is the only the only way to describe it. It just it happened so fast, but yeah, it, it was it was wonderful. She's a very laid back person. She's like her dad, not like me, unfortunately. <laughs> so, you know, she just did not get get uh, flustered about about very much. I think she. You know, the the venue was beautiful. It was perfect. It was everything we had prayed about, everything we had hoped for at a great price. So it was pretty wonderful. That's awesome. That's actually how I feel about Rachel's wedding. I feel like it's all coming together. I have to say, Kevin and I got married, I think, within three months. No, no. We got engaged in October and married in December, but it was the second mm-hmm. marriage for both of us. So it was a lot easier done. And nowadays, especially with the pandemic, you have to book a year or two in advance to get right. your wedding venue. So everything has shifted and changed. And even when Rachel got her dress, boy, early, I think she had her dress last last winter, no, last fall at this time. And all of the bridesmaid dresses chosen early last year, because we were told that's the time frame we needed to allot. Because by the time the dresses came in, and then there were alterations. And I mean, it's just almost impossible to do anything within six months these days. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. it's really shifted. And then all of the venues are booked up because all of those who didn't book during the pandemic are now booking in 2021 and 22. And so there's an awful lot of long engagements that are happening right now. So that's, that's another kind of tough. (laughs) Right, right. Yeah. Because it just gives you that gives you time to worry more and to uh, it's like if you get your Christmas shopping done early, then you're then you I mean, the way I am, I get my Christmas shopping done early and then, oh, well, I find this one other thing or this one other thing. It just keeps adding more and more and more. Yes. Uh, more and more on. But 
yeah, they, they each have their challenges for sure. Well, I want to be clear that Rachel is the one really that's done all of this. And it's been remarkable because she's a civil engineer student and she has a very, very full schedule and a lot of very difficult classes. And yet she has taken because she's had the time, she's taken one weekend at a time to plan everything. And she's been very careful to include us where it's appropriate to include us and to ask for help where it's appropriate to ask for help. But it's been minimal, to be honest. It's just my thinking in terms of just everybody coming and, and relatives and Christmas time, because the wedding is just a few days after Christmas. She was going to get mm-hmm. married on the 27th, which is Kelsey's wedding date. And they were going to share an anniversary, oh. which I thought was so sweet. But the venue was booked that day, too. So she's actually getting married. Oh. I think it's on a Tuesday, the 28th. And it's lovely because her dad and I were married on December 22nd. So so the girls have chosen so far to get married about the same time of year. And there's just something really magical about the holidays. So yeah, oh, yeah. I think it's yeah. great. Yeah. So I wanted to. It'll all be twinkly lights. Yes. And everything. Everything will already be decorated for Christmas. Yes. But what's but what stress, really? I mean, <laughs> come on, you still have to do Christmas and you're a grandma and everything on top of that. So, yeah, that's a lot. Yeah, that's a lot. Well, Kelsey now has two year old twins and she's just nervous. She said she's already suffering anxiety about what that will look like at the wedding. And I oh, said, yeah, just take a deep breath. Hire a nanny to help you. It's going to be okay because she has four kids. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. It, yeah, it'll be okay. It'll be okay. That's one of the up. That's one of the upcoming things to pray over. That was one of the things that. What's going to happen to the children? Are children even going to be invited? You know, ha- are you going to have children in the wedding? When my husband and I got married <coughs> thirty days <laughs> some years ago. Oh, congratulations! Uh, that's wonderful. Thank you. Our ring bearer got to rehearsal and took one look at the big church aisle and would not come down the aisle. I so love that. <laughs> they ended up t- they ended up taking his tiny tux and tucking the legs up inside and putting it on his little two-year-old brother who didn't know the difference between anything and and he was our ring bearer. So children are are loose cannons. I mean you just can't put it any other way. And I know some people <laughs> choose to not even invite children to the ceremony, which you know is is uh we don't want that to be a point of contention, you know, when the bride makes a choice like that. So that's just another one of those things. One of the best compliments I had on my book was someone who said uh, it helped me realize all the things I hadn't even thought about to pray over. Mm, yeah. And, you know, you know, like like children, like cutting back on work, praying for the thermostat that someone makes sure the you know, the building temperature is is good. Just those little things that can really sour the day that um that you might not even think about. Yeah. And I think we can pray for those things that we don't think about. Lord, cover those things I've missed as well. Absolutely. Absolutely. Like Julie Andrews' famous line, God bless what's his name (laughs) from Sound of Music. Right. Yeah. God knows. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Well, (laughs) I've seen a few blogs where brides have talked about all of those grievances they have about various behaviors associated with their wedding. And I just think that's to be expected. You know, it's sort of par for the course. But it was 2012 when Kelsey got married. And maybe things have changed, but maybe not. I remember, literally, I remember people coming to my wedding and not bringing gifts. And 
If I'm being honest, it wasn't about the gift, but still it was a little hurtful because it sent a message that they didn't consider it as important as maybe I did. I don't I don't know. I don't even mm. care to explore that now. But what I thought was fascinating is Rachel had friends come to her bridal shower that didn't bring gifts. She had a best friend from childhood that has elected not to come to the wedding or the shower. And that's been hurtful. I think there's been a lot that I've just been surprised about. So I've told her, I said, listen, I said, just expect those sorts of things and give people grace, like the whole RSVP thing. She was on pins and needles over the RSVP, which has since passed, but she had to get all of the information to her caterer and her florist. And there were still, I think, I don't know, like 40 people who hadn't responded. And I know Mm -hmm. she was very upset about it. And I said, well, again, people are busy. Just give them grace. Everybody has their reasons for doing what they do. Give them grace and just stay in the moment. And but, you know, as far as the advice that I gave my kids, I remember and I want to get to asking you what you told yours. So so when Kelsey came to me, when she first began considering marriage and she asked for my advice, Um, she was very young. And so she was still asking my advice pretty regularly. And my response was pretty simple. And it was something God put on my heart. I gave her three things. I said, first of all, love God first and marry someone who will love God first too. If you both keep your eyes on God, he will give you all the adoration you need for one another. And this will be especially true during hard times. And there will be plenty of those since people always put their best foot forward in the beginning. It's what comes later that will require sanctification. Mm -hmm. And I think you can be better together than you would be apart, which is the second point. Well, actually, it was my third point. The second part was, will he protect you before himself? So I don't know that that women think of this, this is the woman's perspective, but consider scenarios where you would be in need or even harm's way. Would he step in front of you to guard you or in front of you to be first? Mm. There's a difference. So Hmm. the first litmus test for me was when I received a frantic call from Kelsey and her soon to be fiance, Michael, they were driving home from a wedding in the middle of Kansas and it was late. The weather was terrible as it can be here in Kansas. And she was terrified. And they had met in high school. They were about 18 or 19 at the time. And when they became engaged, they were that age. They were really young. They got married at just about 21. She was accustomed to calling me, as I said. And so by the time that she called, she was very upset, like the time she and her brother were driving home in a blizzard. (laughs) And my husband, my Mm. uh, my, uh, this doesn't sound very very smart on my part. But my husband literally had to talk me out of wanting to get in the car to go find them in the blizzard, in the blizzard, (laughs) when the best course of action was to stay at home and pray. But you know, that's your, that's your mother's spirit. It just wants out, right? Right. Well, I made it safely. And it was one of those occasions where she's calling me and it's the Flint Hills. And if you know anything about the Flint Hills, I know you do, Tracy, but it's a beautiful flat area. It's actually the plains of Kansas and she's heading home and the weather's crazy and she's hysterical. (laughs) Poor Michael's driving. And I just thought Mm. in that moment, I can trust Michael. The Lord told me, Mm. he said, he will care for your daughter. She's in great hands. She's in the best possible Mm -hmm. hands. He will put his life on the line for her. And that was it. Mm -hmm. That was it. I mean, that's what I needed to know. So, and then the last one I told her, I said, I know this could be really hard to hear, but marriage really isn't about your happiness. <laughs> it's about your holiness. Oh, right. It's about your holiness. Mm-hmm. It's what you mm-hmm. will be able to do together to make you both better, to bring glory to the Lord, 
that you wouldn't be able to do apart. So in other words, are you better for the kingdom than you would be alone? Because I think that's the most important thing. Even when you think about your own marriage, right, Tracy, there are ups and downs. <laughs> but absolutely, ultimately, I'm sure you can say, because your focus is on the Lord, that you are a much better person together in unity than you would be as individuals. Right, right. Wow. Uh, yeah, I I had no advice like that for my kids. Good for you. I wish I had. I hope my kids are listening to this. This is all great. All great stuff. <laughs> well, here's the thing, Trace. Here's the thing. You know I'm remarried. So I went through the, yeah. the school of hard knocks. Yeah. Right. And I didn't have faith to begin with. And I didn't have somebody who would put me first. And so it looked completely it, different. It is an interesting transition, so, yeah. I think, uh, with a daughter, you know, we'll be sexist here. It's a, with a daughter, particularly an interesting transition to, I guess, release the worry. Is that is that what I'm looking for? Release the worry about yeah. uh, her physical safety. You know, did she did she make it home from yes. work? Is you know, is, is, is she's sick? Do I need to go over there? No, she has a husband. Plus, I don't want to get sick. Uh, you know, that was a, that mm -hmm. was really emotional for me. And I was so glad that, you know, she chose a man who just adored her and would, would, you know, take a bullet for her and brings her so much joy. You know, there's just nothing more I could wish for her, really. That was just, that was very emotional for me. I don't know if, I don't know if you're having those emotions, Janet, yet of, of, Oh. I'm crying now as you're talking. Yeah, yeah I cried. Oh my goodness. I cried so much yes, when I was writing sure. these books. I just sat and bawled in front of my computer. <laughs> I just don't think there's really any greater blessing than to be able to watch your child walk into a marriage like that, where you just, where you know they're just adored. Yeah. Um, the way that you adore them. So I, that's a, yeah. Yeah, that's, that's well said. And I can say that about Ryan, Rachel's fiance, and knowing that early on, they had each other on Life360. Mm -hmm. So I no longer had to look at her at college away in Manhattan, and think, okay, should I be worried about her? There was one time I looked on Life360. And, I, and I'm not, listen, for anyone who you know doesn't know me, I'm not a prying interfering, invasive person. But I think my daughters do appreciate me checking in on them now and again, my single daughters, uh, particularly. And I saw that she was at a park late mm. at night. And this was recently. And so I called her and I thought, okay, in my spirit, I started to have, um, first, I had a little alarm feeling, because I know they take walks at night. But then I had in my spirit, the Lord said, she's at a bonfire. Oh. It's fall. <laughs> right. And yeah. And and so I did. I tech, I, I couldn't get a hold of her. So I just texted him. I said, are you guys by any chance at a park? And he goes, yeah, we're at a big bonfire right now. And I said, oh, I knew that. Like, that's great. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Sorry to bother you. It, but I, I always know that he's watching her. Mm -hmm. And that is so comforting. And even with my boys, it's the same. It's really the same thing with their, you know, just handing over that, you know, that I'm not going to worry about whether they made it home at night or whether they're taking care of themselves and getting enough sleep or, you know, those things that moms of teenage and young adult men <laughs> tend to do. 
it's very emotional doing that. So, I mean, anyone listening who's, who's going through that release time in your relationship, it's something to grieve, but it's something to rejoice over as well. Well, I always think about my own relationship with my mother-in-law and she is the best in the world. And as you know, one of my best friends. And I think I want to emulate that. I want to be in the lives of my children and their spouses, what she has been for me. And that is so supportive, so not interfering. I really think as the mother of the groom, I really truly feel that you really need to... (laughs) You need to take your daughter-in-law's side. I'm sorry, but that's just the way I see it. I feel like she needs to have you as a confidant, not an adversary. And case in point was early on, my son, I think, was it either before they were married or after they were married? He was having an issue with one of his sisters and he said, Mom, I don't I don't know what to do, you know, and I said, I know what you do. You forget it. You support your wife. She's your family. We are no longer your family. She's the one that you pay attention to, love, adore. If you cut us off, that's okay. I have to be fine with that because she is your life. Right. And when I hung up with him, of course, my heart was heavy and I cried, but I knew it was the right thing. And subsequently, I have to say, I have a beautiful relationship with my daughter-in-law and my son. They live very close to us. And I am... I'm just so blessed because I've been able to rely on the wisdom of God, not on my own feelings or emotions or wisdom, paltry mm-hmm. wisdom, really. And I think we need to get outside of ourselves and reflect upon what we can do as parents to support those kids, what they need from us, because it mirrors what we need from our own in-laws. Right, right. Yeah. I agree. I agree. And get, getting outside of ourselves, I love that phrase, too. Um when you're in the, the the trenches, I don't know. What do we call where you're at right now? Do we call them? I don't trenches? know. Am I in a battlefield? The wedding, <laughs> the wedding <laughs> trenches. It, it just occurred to me at one point when I was in these trenches that I had forgotten, you know, about my neighbor that I like to encourage with a phone call or I uh, had forgotten to do this for someone else. I just, I think you tend to get so focused on, putting out all the fires and I can come up with a thousand other cliches, but you know, you wake up in the morning and this phone call has to be returned and this list has to be made and this decision has to be made and this thing has to be ordered. And you know, there are only a certain number of hours in a day and uh, you just really have to intention focus on outside of your home, you know, not forget, not forget those ministries that you have to people that, are not related to you. <laughs> yeah, for sure. And I, I've not always been a good friend. And I, I really feel like I juggle a lot of that sort of stuff. I think, oh, I didn't call this person, but I called that person. Well, I called the other, I have a, a list of people that need to be called regularly. And I fail at mm-hmm. that because regularly is the, is the problem in that sentence. <laughs> It's right, it's right. hard, but well, I mean, you are, and this is a great segue because I do want to talk about your editing skills outside of this wonderful book you've written, Prayers for Mother of the Bride. And this is such a great season and, and I'm just enjoying talking to you about it, uh, despite all of the, uh, all the struggle that may be associated with it too, and the need for prayer. But in segueing into the other part of what I wanted to discuss with you is you wear 
a number of different hats. And one of those is editing. And you were my editor for my memoir, Milk and Honeyland. And you were the one that came up with the subtitle, <laughs> Grief, Grace and Goats. <laughs> and I often forget to mention that. So I was telling you earlier, I kiddingly, I never come up with the titles of these podcasts ahead of time, but I was kind of thinking, well, in Tracy's case, as I was having my coffee this morning, it should be something like weddings, editings, and rainbows. <laughs> just And rainbows or, or, or goats. goats. Oh, I don't know. I think my kids are just <laughs> over the goat thing. But that was my worry when I when you proposed that title and I thought, oh, do I dare? Yeah. Because it's a good hook. It's a good hook. <laughs> well, it's done well. So thank you for that. So it was really interesting because you are, well, you probably know this at school, you have a reputation for being the hard English teacher. Did you know that? <laughs> uh, one of my students called me endearing. I like that better. Hard but endearing, I think was what he said. I love you. You get them ready for my class. Well, this is the funny part of it. So so Tracy teaches junior high, and then there was another teacher, Mrs. Thompson, for a while that taught the high school comp. And then after that, I teach the upper grade levels of American Lit and Brit Lit. So by the time they get to my class, they've been through these great teachers. <laughs> and I had a student in class the other day saying, oh, Mrs. Thompson was really hard. And someone else said, oh, but she had nothing on Mrs. Mott. <laughs> I loved it. I said, Poor yes. Kids. Oh, no, they're great. You train them well. So when you first, when you and I first talked, I mean, I went through this whole process of how to publish traditional self, went through this, uh, what do they call those in between? Hybrid. Um, ult hybrid. Yeah. And then ultimately went back to something that was different. And anyway, you, you were talking to me and said, hey, you know, you re really need to self-publish. And oh, by the way, I can edit your book for you. And so I hired you as my editor. And... I was really nervous, Tracy. I thought no one has laid eyes on this. Not my husband. <laughs> Not anybody. Tracy's probably going to tell me it's terrible. Ah, it's trash. It's rubbish. Do away with it. But then I thought, no, I'm going to steal my nerves. I'm going to give it to Tracy. I'm going to hear what she has to say. And if it passes Tracy, <laughs> if it passes, passes muster with her, I'm going to be, I'm going to be okay. I may live through the process of publishing. So. And you did with flying colors. Yes. It meant the world to me that you affirmed me so much. You gave me that subtitle, Grief, Grace and Goats. And now I'm looking forward to you editing, doing some other editing. But tell me about that. How did you get started in it? Oh, oh and by the way, I would be remiss in not mentioning that. Get this. When I asked Tracy to edit my book, she was in the process of editing a translation of the Bible. No pressure. What? No. Oh my gosh. I was proofreading it. That's even worse. I was proofreading uh, the Bible. Yeah. I don't know how you did that. I started, you must have nerves of steel. I started on my knees uh and uh, every day and yeah, it was it was that was a privilege and really just I mean, get you know, getting paid to to read the Bible, that's just like my dream job. It was it was Aww. amazing. But I do want to start by saying your your book, uh, your author voice. If anybody listening to this has not read Milk and Honeyland, you are missing a treat. Your Aww. author, your author voice is just I, I, I don't even know what to compare it to. It's just enthralling. Um, and I'm not just saying that because you're my friend. 
Not every book oh. I've edited had an enthralling voice, but yours, uh, yours really did. I got started in, um, I have a journal. Well, thank you for that. I have, a journal- I, I have I, to say it was God's voice. Well, okay. yeah, God's given you a gift and you're, and you're using it, which is very amazing. I have a journalism oh. degree, um, back when we used to type on typewriters with carbon paper. And, Me too. Uh, <laughs> and I, I worked for, uh, an automotive trade newspaper for the 20 years that I homeschooled my kids. I worked part-time editing for a a newspaper, which was a great, great privilege, a great way to keep my big toe in the business. And um, then when the internet came out, I, I just uh, started doing writing for businesses. Um, You know, I get paid to be on Facebook, which is not as much fun as being paid to read the Bible, but it's pretty fun. (laughs) And then when I graduated, we we were getting ready to graduate our youngest son from homeschool. I, I, none of my kids ever went to school. We did homeschool all the way through. Very cool. And they've all turned out to be amazing, productive citizens, I will say. Yay. Of course they have. (laughs) (laughs) I, I decided to write a little ebook about homeschooling, just things, you know, little tips for homeschoolers, just because I'd done it for 20 years and I, this was when the eBooks on Amazon were sort of a new thing. It was 20, 2014, I want to say. And then as I met people along the way, I realized I really enjoyed editing other people's work, which I knew as a journalist that that's really what I enjoyed doing more than even the writing. So I've just edited several, several books for people, nonfiction and fiction. One was just one just went up a couple of weeks ago, a nonfiction book about the health insurance industry. That's a great read. Wow. And I It sounds intense. It is well, it's yeah. <laughs> it's <laughs> Weathering the Storm is the title of it. If you, oh wow, not light reading anyway, not, huh? Not light reading, but insightful. Anyway, I I just I just love doing that. So that's that's how I got into it and the I do help people uh self-publish if they want to put something up on Amazon. I since I've done that myself and that's that story. Very cool. And how about the teaching? The teaching I started teaching when my youngest son was in seventh grade and I developed this curriculum based on him. Really. He would give me a grade every day when we would leave school, you know, how did I do? And it'd be like, well, that was a B minus day. So then I'd have to (laughs) figure out how to make it more fun. And I just have never left. (laughs) You love it. Don't you? I love teaching. Yeah. And you're good at it. I love teaching. Yeah. That's, I think that's a, that's a real blessing that I get to do that. Yeah. Well, it's a blessing to those that take your classes and what a gift that is. So my own daughter, the youngest took classes from you, not any of the others because we were new, but yeah, Mm -hmm. she, I think she did very well having you as a teacher. Yeah. Very good. Well, you know, I, you know, the focus of this podcast is what God is doing in the lives of women. And I don't know that we've ever really talked about that. My goal was to really provide a platform where women could listen on a variety of topics and hear other women testify to the goodness of God and how he showed up in their lives. And we were talking earlier about miracles and one of those, circling back around to our earlier conversation about weddings, it's there's a tie-in. So one of my favorite miracles, I 
shared with you earlier was the miracle of my diamond. <laughs> and mm, and yeah. just to set it, set it up, I was just telling this story in a local jewelry store in Kansas City this last week, because Kevin and I will be celebrating our 20th this year. And congratulations. Thank you. Thank you. I mean, I always felt like it would be so nice to say 30 or 40, right? But that's not the case just yet. And so my ring, so <laughs> I was babysitting my daughter, Kira, Taylor and Cassie's daughter, and there's no running in the house. You know, there's no running in the house. But mm -hmm. Mimi was over and was running in the house. <laughs> and I slammed my finger into their oak table, solid oak, oh. and I chipped a bone. And I haven't mm -hmm. been able to get my ring back on my wedding ring finger since. And so I've had it in our safe for about the last year. And I thought, well, I've got to pull it out. Kevin kept saying, we need to get our ring sized. My needs improvement as well. And so I finally just went in and got this one done. And I didn't know what it was going to look like. But as I'm in this local jewelry store, Toners, in Overland Park, one of the women says, there is a ring, a wedding band that matches your ring exactly. It's an estate piece. And I said, what? Okay. And they mm. were looking for it. My ring was set in platinum, which was a mistake, by the way, ladies. I'm having it reset in 14 karat because <laughs> platinum is way too weak. It's just too malleable. Mm. And in one case, I had to reset the stones about five or six years ago. And just the resetting was like $700. Don't, don't use platinum. So anyway, she pulls this platinum ring out that belongs to another woman who has sold it it's an estate piece, like I said, and it matches the baguettes and the round stones exactly on either side of my stone. It's unbelievable. It was a God moment. So I, needless to say, had to tell them the story that I wrote about in my book, in which you know, and I'll try to keep it simple. So I had this great diamond. And after I got divorced, I had a hard time buying food for my kids. In fact, I couldn't stop for a cup of coffee without feeling guilty because there really wasn't enough money to go around. I, had a, I was a single mom of four at that point. I was in broadcasting, and yet the, the dirty secret was I was, I was drowning in so much. Um, debt, emotional trauma, I had a restraining order against my ex-husband. It was really a mess. So I took this stone in to hawk it, and the jeweler called me back after about a week and said, you know, I've been thinking, I don't think you should sell this ring. <laughs> so... He gave it back to me, he said, and he was so kind. He said, oh, the beautiful diamond needs to stay with beautiful you. I mean, you know, whatever. I probably said that to everyone, but it was very sweet. And I said, well, what am I going to do with it? And he said, you know, you need to just maybe put it in a pendant or something. Wear it. Don't keep it away. So I set it in a pendant, never took it off, was relocated to Kansas City from San Diego, never renewed the insurance out here. So it was no longer insured. And it was worth a small fortune, to be honest, at the time, even more so now. So I, I'm at the soccer fields in Olathe, Kansas, which is, they're very large. Let me just say, they stretch out for acres oh, yes. and acres and acres. Yes. <laughs> We've been there with our grandkids, right? <laughs> yes. So I'm leaving that day. And I reach up to as I always did, absentmindedly fiddle with my necklace, and it's gone. And I was feeling pretty sorry for myself at that point, because I'd had a lot of things taken or stolen at that point. And I thought, well, 
I got nothing left. There's nothing of any material value that I have. And then I realized it doesn't matter because the people I have in my life, my mom, my kids, my family, they're my treasure, not the ring so or not the stone. So I had arranged to that day go back to the fields with a metal detector, my mom and the kids. We had all fanned mm-hmm. out. We spent all sorts of time. The sun was descending, casting pink highlights across the fields. And that's when I just heard the voice of the Lord start talking to me. And this is what brought me back to him, really. At this point, I had lost a lot of faith. I mean, I was I was evolving. But I said at this point, if this is not your will, I guess I just have to believe that I don't need the ring. I have to I guess I have to trust you anyway is is the processing I went through. I have to trust him. So I said to the family, okay, you know what? Just forget it. It doesn't matter. I have the things that matter. I have all of you. Mm -hmm. And the minute I said that, the minute I released it, the minute we started to walk back to the car, my son kicked a pop can and said, I found it. Mm. (laughs) Like, this is like finding a penny in the sea. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Uh, and, and And at the very time that I asked for... Or I, I made that appeal and and was granted that understanding. So it was not the chain. It was just the pendant. And it was miraculous. And mm. I later reflected that my chains were gone. There was so much allegory there. Oh, right. I lost the chain, but my chains were gone. <laughs> and I have this diamond, right? And I then put it in a safe deposit box. And I didn't pull it out until Kelsey got married. Because I asked she and Michael, I said, hey, what would you think about making this your ring, your engagement ring? And they were both really excited. So I was really, really happy that it had that happy ending. (laughs) So Mm -hmm. Kelsey's ring. Anyway, I I just think that's just a brilliant, literally, no pun intended, miracle. That's so great. You you just think like a writer, Janet. That's what it is. Because I see allegory allegory everywhere. Everywhere. I do. Yeah. Anyway, that's my miracle story. So that's that's very cool. When you talk about miracles and weddings, the one that I think is so simple and so beautiful is our our oldest son got married outside, which I would not recommend. <laughs> <laughs> but it was it was gorgeous. If you're willing to take the risk outside in September and there literally were rain clouds, if you looked at the radar, just dancing around us all day long. <laughs> And we and it just didn't rain. It was outside. The wedding was outside. The everything was outside. The the reception was outside, and it was just a perfect, beautiful day. But you know, being a worrier that I am, checking the <laughs> radar, I'm like, there's rain, there's rain, there's rain everywhere. There's rain everywhere, but it it didn't rain on us. And you know, I just think God cares about those simple those simple things. I, I just would say he's blowing us a kiss, you know, giving us a a beautiful day outside and all the worry in the world, you know, wasn't what changed it. It was just God's loving care for us. There are miracles that abound everywhere and we just need to be aware of them. Like you may not have been aware, but you were, Mm -hmm. you understood that it was God's provision over the covenant of marriage Mm -hmm. there. Yeah. That's very cool. Well, and you'll like this story. So I have a God story that I am fully aware of. My dishwasher (laughs) broke. And horrifying. (laughs) I go, it is horrifying. No, it's horrifying. You know this. Well, and my mother-in-law who lives alone and has a pristine house says since she built her house about the same time that we built ours, 
she's replaced hers three times. So that's a little consolation because I think this is about the fourth time this has happened. So I know that it happens. But here it is just before the holidays and I am washing dishes by hand. I've done everything I can to remedy the situation, use different detergent, rinse agents, pulled out filters, tried different settings. Kevin has two. It's we're done. And I thought, you know, if you, if you know anything about what's going on in the news today with all of the supply shortages, mm. and in fact, my daughter Emily went to go get a oil change last week and at Valvoline was told they couldn't do it because they didn't have the filter. It's sitting oh. on a cargo ship somewhere. Oh, no. Wow. I thought, here's what the holidays are going to look like for me during wedding season. <laughs> I'm going to be doing dishes by hand. That's the reality. And they're going to be stacked up all over the place. Mm -hmm. So I said something to Kevin one night and he said, well, did you try using a different detergent? Yes, Kevin, I tried using a different detergent. Well, did you? Yes, I did that. So I just went to bed and I said, Lord, you have this. I just have to rely on you. I can't do it. I'm giving it over to you. It's your problem. (laughs) So I get up the next morning and Kevin says, it's 530 in the morning and he's drinking a cup of coffee and he says, I just ordered you a new dishwasher. It'll be here Wednesday. What? It'll be here Wednesday? It's a miracle. <laughs> that That's a miracle. <laughs> and so as the time approached, and let me just give a shout out to Home Depot, because I'm telling you what, they were great. They told me they would be here first at 830 in the morning on Wednesday. And guess what? They were here 830 on Wednesday. And that is a miracle. I, it is. And I prayed. I thought, Lord, please let there be nothing wrong with it. Please let. And this is beginning <laughs> before they even showed up. Please don't let them reschedule. I'm home. I can do this. Please don't let there be any problems. All of my prayers were answered. It went off without a hitch. The two gentlemen that came in were as polite as they could have been. They had a little hard time extricating the old one, but got that other one in and everything set up. And I washed my dishes and I took a walk and I thought, Jesus, you really love me. (laughs) I mean, it's the simple things, but it's not simple. Mm If that was a right. miracle, <laughs> just, it's true. I don't know. It's true. If you don't think so, well, just wait till your dishwasher conks out at the I, worst yeah. time. And you can't no. get anyone installed. I believe. I believe. <laughs> Praise <laughs> Jesus for my dishwasher. Definitely. Oh, well, I've done a lot of talking today. I'm so sorry because, you know, you're my friend and I have a big mouth. You've been, I've, I've been talking too. I have, before we get, before you, we go, I have something that I don't think you, you would have seen because it's in my mother, the groom book. But as I was writing these books, I, I wanted to come up with little, um, little quotes having to do with the topic of the day. So I searched public domain. I looked through hymns and, uh, Shakespeare's works and different, Ooh, different I like things. That. So <laughs> So you you've probably seen some of the quotes so far, even though you're really just getting started. The the uh, little quotes that I have at the end of every day. But I'm going to look at today's looking, as you're do as you're talking. Okay, go ahead. As I was looking through the day, talking about the flowers and the mother of the groom book, there's a quote from John Calvin, and it just reminded me of you. It says, there is not one blade of grass, there is no color in this world that is not intended to make us rejoice. I love that. I so need to that share just, that. That reminded me of of you and your color speak and all your colors. <laughs> it's God. Well, you know, I don't know if I told you this. I didn't come up with color speak. He did. He was the one who said, 
you're going to do a podcast. Oh, I am. And it's going to be called Color Speak. Oh, really? What does that look like? Color Speak, not Color Speech or any. No, Color (laughs) Speak. That's what I want it to be. So I'm like, okay, I did it. He did that with a goat once. She was born and she was really little. And I thought, oh, my gosh, is she going to make it? And he said, yeah, you're going to call her Minnie. I'm like, Minnie? Where did that name come from? (laughs) Yeah, Minnie Goat. Minnie Goat grew up to be a fine a fine dough. <laughs> that was years ago. Anyway, I won't get started on the goat stories. I could wreck this more, whole thing. More goat stories. I could mar this whole thing. <laughs> My kids hate that. Well, I was looking at today's. Today's quote is awesome. And then I also have a verse for today too. So on day number 46, you end it with, therefore they said to him, what shall we do so that we may work the works of God? Jesus answered and said to them, this is the work of God that you believe in him whom he has sent. John mm. 6, 28, 29. Doesn't that just say it all? Yeah. Just believe. Just keep your focus. <laughs> He'll take care of you. He'll provide a dishwasher when yours breaks. Mm-hmm. And a dress. Do you have your dress yet, Janet? I do. I do. All right. Yeah. I, all right. Yeah. I mean, I say, yeah, because it was the one out of six or seven that the daughters approved of. And, it's a little snug. So oh. um, they liked it, but I like a little looser, but we'll see. I mean, I haven't curtailed the, uh, all of the fun things that my family likes to eat. It's really hard to be around <laughs> all these people that like to eat, you know, and I still have a teenager in the house who has to eat round the clock. So mm. she's an athlete. Yeah, high so. energy Gracie. Yes. Yes. Oh my goodness. So yeah, we'll see how it goes. I'm not worried about it. Eh, it is what it is. So I guess I should remember Second Chronicles because this is the verse I have for us today. 16.9. I love this. This is one of my favorites. For the eyes of the Lord range throughout the earth to strengthen those whose hearts are fully committed to him. Awesome. Yeah. That's so good. Yep. Love it. Love it. I love that you came and talked with me today after a an entire year of begging and pleading <laughs> and sniveling. It has not been that bad. <laughs> no, we're just busy. And I know, I know you're busy too. And, and we could do a whole other podcast about what you've been through. And you've had a lot. You've had a lot that you've overcome. And I'm so proud of you and love the work you do and, and love the affiliation we have, the friendship and the professional arrangement. Yes. So you're a blessing in my life. Yes. You're a blessing in my life. I guess the greatest one is just preparing my students for my class. <laughs> <laughs> well, I do that with great pleasure. <laughs> oh, I don't know that they have great pleasure, but I do. Oh, they sure do. They sure do. And you're right. You always you always clue me in about the students I'm going to love. And you're absolutely right. Yeah. I love them all, though. I mean, honestly, I can honestly say, Tracy, and I think this is, dare I say it, I don't want to offend anybody that hasn't homeschooled, but I will say that most or all of the students that I've had in my class, all of them, I guess, over the past, what, six years have been homeschooled to begin with. I've never had a bad student. Mm. I've never had one. And most of them so far exceed my expectations. I should just sit down, shut up and let them teach the right. class. Right. <laughs> yeah, I have a couple like that just, this year that, that I'm just, I could definitely just if I wasn't there, they would be able to teach the class. So yes, honestly, those are intimidating when you know they're smarter than you 
<laughs> yes, they're so good. And they, the parents do such a good job with them. And yes. they obviously talk to them even about world affairs and how all of that relates to literature. Yes. Because, you know, literature is a reflection of whatever's happening in society. And so, yeah, yeah, it's just, it's been great. So is there anything else that you would like to share with our listeners today? I would say mothers of the bride, just don't forget to pray. Just don't forget to pray. You don't need to buy my book, but just don't don't forget to pray. At least just stop and be thankful and and praise God every day. Yes. Because you're going to need it that last couple of weeks. (laughs) Yes. You're going to need it. Yes. (laughs) Well, and I just, um, my biggest prayer too, is that everything at the wedding goes smoothly and it's enjoyable for the bride and groom. And that's Mm -hmm. another piece of advice I gave to them. And you probably remember, and we'll end with this, that when I looked into my husband's eyes, on our wedding night at our reception, I, I just remember thinking I was so overwhelmed that that was my person, that there Mm -hmm. was a person on this earth that was as happy as I was in that moment. And we would steal glances at each other from across the room, Mm -hmm. you know, as we were talking with others and it was so magical. And it takes me back to that moment at the altar. And this is what I always tell my kids pretend that nobody else is there at that moment because Mm -hmm. you will look into his eyes or her eyes for the rest of your life. Remembering that moment, if you can do this, what it felt like to stand there and block everyone else out and meet each other. Mm -hmm. And it's just such a feeling. And I, I think it's just a glimpse of the way that Christ feels for us. Right. Beautiful reflection. Yes. Yeah. Well, thank you so much, Tracy. It's well, just been a pleasure to have thank you, on you today. for Thank you for being patient with my busy schedule. <laughs> Thanks for putting up with my cajoling. It's <laughs> <laughs> so good. No, I'm just, I'm really just kidding. You know, that's tongue in cheek. I oh, right. You. It I really know. wasn't that bad. Tracy had a lot going on and she's a busy person and yeah, so we made it work. So we made perfect it work. timing today. This Thanks. is, this was God's thing because uh-huh. right before the wedding and The topic today in your book, Prayers for Mother of the Bride, is taking care of business. So it's great. And you are in my prayers, as are all the women reading my book right now. Thank you. Thank you so much, Tracy. Mm -hmm. I'll have your information in our show notes, Tracy Mott. And the rest of you, thank you so much for listening with us today. I hope you'll continue to join us on Color Speak, wherever you find your podcasts, and on Grace and Truth Radio World. This is J.M. Huxley for Truth Talk on Color Speak, celebrating relevance, restoration, social influence, and dynamic purpose in all places and all seasons.